Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. But God is good all the time. You know what that means. All that, that means in even the bad times, even on the stormy days, God is good. God is faithful. God is, his goodness is de- independent on anything that we are going through. Amen. And this morning, I want to I preach out of the book of 1 Samuel. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there to 1 Samuel chapter 24. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 7. If you have it, give me an amen. Let me know that you have it. Amen. And if you don't have it, I got it up here. But, um, you know, don't, don't depend, on, don't depend on, on the screen all the time, you know. Um, bring your Bibles to church. Bring your Bibles to church. Amen. There's, there's this cool thing called iPhone that has a bunch of apps, and you can download a Bible app. If you don't, if you don't have the Bi- a, a, a hard copy of the Bible, you can, you can download it. Amen. Um, and if you have Android, I guess that could work, but <laughs> the power of God's word, can, you know, it can penetrate the evil of Android. Amen. First uh, Samuel 24, 1 through 7, and it says this. It says, when Samuel returned from following the Philistines, he was told, behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. And then Saul took 3,000 chosen men of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goat rocks. And he came to the sheepfolds, by the way, where there was a cave. And Saul went in to relieve himself. And now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. And the men of David said to him, here is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I will give your enemy into your hand and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the word that you have spoken. And I pray, Father God, that, that it may speak this morning, my God, that it may penetrate hearts uh, this morning, Father God, to anyone who is in need of this word, Father God. I believe that your Holy Spirit prepared it especially for them, Father God. And I pray that it falls on fertile ground this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I entitled my message this morning, Not Like This. Some will say that with me. Not like this. Amen. Man, I love it when Brother Blair is in the house, man. I love it. Love it. This morning, I want to share a word with you that I believe sets the perfect example when it comes to making hard and tempting decisions. I want to give you just a practical word this Sunday morning. Because we've all been there. We've all been between a hard and, a, and, and a, a rock and a hard place, as they say, right? We've all faced difficult decisions where right 
doesn't really seem right, but wrong doesn't really seem wrong, and we don't know which way to go. And, and to make things harder, we have people in our lives influencing our decisions, and sometimes we don't actually know if something is from God or if it's just us convincing ourselves that maybe this is God. So I wanted to call the message this morning not like this, because sometimes we justify doing the wrong thing because it leads to a good result. When if we would have just waited a little bit longer and had a little bit of patience, we would have seen that God was going to work out the good result in the correct way in his perfect timing. Church, God doesn't always need us to make his promises a reality. He doesn't always need you. He doesn't always need your opinions. He doesn't always need your advice. He doesn't always need your help. That would make every single one of God's promises dependent on very imperfect humans. Sometimes all God needs is your willingness, your obedience, your patience, and your faith that he's going to work out what he promised. Sometimes all he needs, that's all he needs, but we want to give God a hand without thinking about the implications of our actions. And, you know, my prayer this, this, this morning, every time I, I prepare a word, I pray over it. I say, I pray before I start and I pray after it's done. I say, God, I don't, I mean, I don't know who this is for because sometimes there's messages that I prepare. I'm like, who, who needs to hear this? Right. And so I just, I, I pray over it. And, and my prayer this week was God speak to anybody who is facing a difficult decision right now where, where they are tempted to take matters into their own hands and possibly being disobedient and disrespectful and inconsiderate to your will. So I wanted to look at David's story. David is probably one of my favorite. His story is probably one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I love David. He's an, he's an, I think we would have been really good friends. And, and, and David, I love David because he's, he's humble. He's young. He's this, he's this shepherd boy who was promised a royal and powerful position. He was in a low place with a very high calling. And, and you know, when God begins to elevate you for his purpose, a lot of times that elevation goes to our head, right? Because when God begins to use you more, it usually comes with recognition. That's just the reality, and so we have, we have a lot of celebrity preachers. We have a lot of celebrity ministers. And I'm not, I'm not calling anyone out by name. God uses many of them. But, but a lot of times when God elevates people, our egos get elevated as well. Because, because it comes with recognition. It comes with more fo- followers and, and fans and respect and, and compliments, right? Oh, you're such a great preacher. Oh, I love the way you teach. Oh, girl, you can sing that song. And so when God elevates us, our egos are elevated as well. And one of the biggest mistakes that any minister can make is begin to think that God's glory is even fractionally shared with them. Amen. And I'm telling this to all of my future ministers, all my, all my future pastors and uh, uh, missionaries over here in the youth section, man. Don't ever think, because, man, I was there. I was there. I was a kid, and I was. That's when I started ministering, and and you know, you know, I'm I'm a words of affirmation person, right? When 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 I when I do something at home, I want it to be noticed. 
I, I feel like I'm still, I still like I'm like a, like a little kid. You know, like when little kids, they, they do like a drawing and, and they're like, hey, look, mom. And you're like, cool, right? I do that with, with my wife still. Like I, yesterday, I was like, man, look at this great shot. I'm a, I'm a, I love photography. That's it's one of my most expensive hobbies. And I showed her a picture that I took of Ellie. I was like, look at this picture. Isn't it awesome? Look at the, look at the color. Look at the sharpness. And she was like, yeah, it's good. I'm like, come on, give me. I told her, give me more than that. Like, I need you to compliment me, okay? And, and so a lot of times that, that goes to our head, right? And, and, and when, when, when sp- people speak encouraging things to us, look, Look, I'm human. We're all human. We love to hear job well done, right? I love to hear testimonies uh, that are encouraging uh, to the word that God has been giving to me, right? I mean, I don't think no one, I don't think anybody says, you know, don't, don't, don't let me know when I'm doing a good job, right? We want to know that we're being effective, but, but we need to, we need to understand that, that God can use anybody, God, don't think you're super special that God is using you. God used the donkey to speak. <laughs> so if you're in any type of ministry, I just want to remind you the glory isn't yours. It's not yours. I think we need to make shirts, Pastor Maritza, that say, I don't want the glory. I don't want the glory. That's the mentality that we must have when, we're, when God has taken us to new heights because God will use people. And he will take you to mountain uh, tops, but it's all for his glory. And I love that we don't see an increase in David's arrogance as God elevates him. I love that we don't see David's pride increase as God elevates him. This story takes place during a time when David is elevating. He had just received the promise and the anointing that he was going to be the next king of Israel. What would you do if God told you tomorrow you're going to be king or queen? What would you, what would you do? You'd be making some arrangements today, right? You'd be, you'd be probably putting some things on credit talking about, I can't afford the payments today, but tomorrow I'm going to be on another level. That's come on. David was elevating on so many levels. David was told that he was going to be king, right? His, his brother's His older brothers were overlooked by their youngest brother. So first, David was elevated in calling above his brothers. And then he begins to reside in the presence of King Saul. The Bible says that evil spirits would torment Saul every night. And and Saul, he he sought out a a harp player to to minister to him. And David was a great harp player, and, and he was referred to Saul. That's how it is in the music scene. All the musicians know each other. One of Saul's servants was probably like, man, this kid named David, he plays the sick on the harp. That's how it goes. That's the musician lingo. And so, and so now, now David is in the presence of King Saul, elevated above all the musicians, all the harp players out there. David's got that spot. And then a little bit later, David is once again elevated, this time above the most mighty warriors of Israel when he defeats Goliath. And it's around this time, David begins to be known as a great and mighty warrior himself. And now everybody's talking about David. Everybody's writing songs about David. David's slaying 10,000s and Saul's just slaying 1,000s. And so now people are beginning to elevate 
David over Saul. And now David's got friends. He's got notoriety. He's got fans, followers. He's got an army behind him supporting him. But one of the things I love about David, and it was probably his greatest attribute as a person, was his humility. Because as David was elevating, he remained humble. As David was gaining more fame, more respect, you know, being closer to his calling, he still knew his place. Some of us think that because of what God has promised us, listen to this, we can skip the process to get there. We act as if we've already been brought into the fulfillment of our promise. So I could just take it whenever I see a proper opportunity. David was told that he was going to be made king, but he wasn't there yet. He was elevating in his calling, but he wasn't there yet. See, there is purpose in the process. There is purpose in the process. I don't know where God is taking you. I don't know what God is doing in your life. I don't know, I don't know what he's, he's, he's causing to grow in your life and bring fruit in your life, but there is purpose in the process. There is purpose in the process. If you have a calling, God He's not just going to deliver it to you on a silver platter. He's going to make you prepare for it. And I know that many of us in this room have received word. I know that many of us are, are waiting for, for God to do something. And, and maybe God has spoken over you and, and you know something's coming. How many, how many got something coming from God? Right? I know, I know if I were to ask you what's coming in Amazon, like everybody would, would have their hand up, right? Everybody's waiting for something in the mail. But, but you've, you've got something coming from God. You've got a promise that, that, that you've been waiting for. But you're not there yet. Maybe God give, gave you vision, but we're not there yet. We're still walking towards it. When I became, the, when I became lead pastor, I asked God for two things. Two things. The first one was wisdom. I said, God, I want to lead with wisdom. I don't want to lead by my own accord. I don't want to make decisions on my own. I want your Holy Spirit to guide me. God, give me wisdom. Like, like, Like Solomon asked God for wisdom to govern his people. I need wisdom, God, because I've never done this before. And then he took me to 2020. He was like, I'll give you some wisdom. And the second thing, the second thing that I asked God for was vision. Because any organization, churches included, that does not have a vision, will not go anywhere. I told God, God, I do not want us to become stagnant. I don't want us to to get comfortable just playing church. We're not here to play church and entertain ourselves. ourselves. The The church was given for a purpose, right? It was given for a purpose. That is why Jesus entrusted his people to build his church. For a purpose. And so I said, God, I want to know how do we fulfill the purpose in this season? And bro, when I asked God for vision, God began to speak all kinds of crazy things. Things that I'm like, God, I don't know about that one. Things I was like, God, who's going to do that? I kid you not. The moment I asked, God began to pour out. Vision, and, and that, that is around the time when we started having our Vision Sundays. We're going to have another one this December. But I was always afraid to run out of vision. I didn't want to become a generation of Eli's, but the Bible says in those days there was no vision. So I asked God for vision, and God has shown things. 
And, and I praise God for this year because I notice even the smallest things are stepping stones to where God is taking us. But you know what? We're not there yet. Look at your neighbor dead in the eye, as awkward as that might be. Come on, dead in the eye. Look, look at him. Tell him, you're not there yet. Honey, you ain't rich yet. Stop spending like you're rich. Come on. <laughs> We're not there yet. Some of us, church, some of us are trying to make decisions of kings when we're not kings yet. And so I want to get to the main text. David, David's ministry has been elevated. Saul's jealousy has been elevating. His pride has been elevating as, as, as David is increasing. If, if Saul hears another compliment about David, he is going to lose it. I spoke about pride a few months ago. Pride is a silent killer, especially in ministry. When we begin to compare ourselves to other people, when other people step in and they begin to do things a little bit better than perhaps we would have done them, pride sets in. And the, the famous proverb, I love this the most, it, it is the check on my own spirit, pride comes before the fall. That's what was happening in Saul's life. He had become so hateful of David that he conspired to kill him. Well, if David's not in the picture anymore... I don't have to worry about it. And so he sends out an army of men to begin to hunt David down. And, and one of those days, Saul, uh, Saul finds a cave. And he goes inside. And I like how the, I like how the ESV euphemistically puts it uh, to relieve himself. Most commentators take that to mean that he was going number two. Okay. And so Saul is in there relieving himself. He's in the most vulnerable position that you can think of. And unbeknownst to Saul, David and his men are in the back of the cave. This is the perfect opportunity to take out David's greatest threat, not only to his life, but to his promise. Verse 4, it says, and the, and the men of David said to him, I imagine they whispered it, right? Because Saul was in the cave. They probably said, here is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I will give you your enemy into your hand. You, you can do whatever you want to him. Just do it, David. Just do it. Okay, so, so, so this is what they told to David. You know what? There is no such promise found in Scripture. You can look for it. As I was studying, as I, was studying I was like, did, did God really make that promise? He did not. He did not, make, he did not tell David, behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. David knows the promise, right? He knows his future. This is a manipulation of the promise. Sometimes when we share what God has spoken in our lives with other people, those people want to act as commentators on the promise that God has given to us, right? Don't, don't let, man, don't let people commentate on what God has given to you because God didn't tell other people your promise. He told you your promise, Right now, there's nothing wrong with, with, with sharing your vision. There's nothing wrong with telling people your ambitions, your, your ambitions and what God is doing in your life and where he's taking you. But I want you to know that the moment you begin telling people, you are going to expose yourself to advice that isn't always godly. Even, even if it's advice coming from a godly person. You know, you know, godly people don't always speak for God, right? 
If godly people spoke for God, we could just continue writing the scriptures. But God was very clear in the Bible. He said, woe to the man who adds and takes away from these scriptures. Look, I, I know David's men. They probably meant well. They had, they had good intentions. They were just trying to support their boy, David. But they were inserting God's promise for David into a time that was not God's timing, into a place that was not God's place. And they were trying to do it in a manner in which would have been disrespectful to God's anointed. And we all have those friends. We all have well-intentioned friends and family members who, who mistake an opportunity for God's blessing. An opportunity isn't always a blessing. An opportunity isn't always a blessing. Sometimes opportunity is a temptation. You think it's a blessing. But commentators of your promise, they don't know the difference. Because they don't know what you don't. They don't have the conviction that you have. They weren't there the moment God deposited that word into your life. They don't know what you were going through. They don't, they don't have as much to lose as you do. It's so easy to give people advice, right? It's so easy. People will give you their advice because some people just don't know want to stop talking, man. They just, they just give you their advice. But, but I want you to know that we are trustees of God's promises that he has given to us. We have to know when to say, like David said, not like this. Not like this. I know my promise is coming, but it's going to be on his timing and on his way. Amen. Amen. Now, I don't. I bet there was probably men in the, in the cave that were like, "Man, David's a chomp, man. Come on, that, that was your chance, bro. You know, that was it. God was giving Saul over to you, commentating on David's life promise." And the Bible says, you know, as we read it, you know, this was a tough decision for David because it is clearly something that he wanted. This, David has been on the run for his life. He's hiding in caves. He's got a bunch of men saying, David, this is all God, bro. Praise the Lord for this opportunity. And it's almost as, you know, when, when I'm reading the, the, the story, you can kind of feel the tension. You can, you can feel the troubled spirit of David. He's got his sword drawn. David uh, Saul is, is in a vulnerable position. He's right behind him. He can, his men are saying, just do it, David. Come on. Yes, it's going oh, to be awesome. And then David cuts off a corner of Saul's road, and immediately he has a change of heart. Whenever you're experiencing decisions like this, this is a practical part, okay? And you're not sure what to do. You're not sure who to listen to. You don't know what's right and what's wrong. It takes two things that I want to give you real quick. Two things to make a decision like this. And the first one is conviction. If you're taking notes, write, write down conviction. David sensed in his spirit that something wasn't right because on any other day david was like an assassin in battle man i mean he he dropped the giant in one sling if he knew that this was from god he would have took out saul right away but something wasn't right in his spirit verse five says i don't think i have it up here but verse five says after uh, afterwards david's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of saul's robe and he said to his men the lord forbid that i should do this thing to my lord the lord's anointed to put out my hands against him, seeing that he is the Lord's anointed. David knew that, that the result, 
that he would get from killing Saul was the throne. The throne was promised to David, but David knew that if it was done like this, it would have been done incorrectly. Because it would have been disrespectful to God's anointing over Saul. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, feel, I feel like I could relate to this a little bit. When I started, when I started out as the English pastor in uh, 2014, and in my mind, how we, how we have grown, praise God. I remember taking a selfie the first Sunday, and I wanted to take another one, but I lost it. So we're going to have to um, recreate it. We have to have some people get out of the room uh, <laughs> for the grant. I'm just kidding. But I remember when I, when I, when I started out as the English, as the English pastor, um, you know, I, I, I was speaking with my dad. I was serving under my dad. My dad was the lead pastor at the time. And, and, and we, we both knew that eventually it, it would lead to, uh, to, to leading the ministry as a lead pastor. Uh, but, but the time hadn't arrived yet. Even though God had already spoke, even though I already had that uncomfortable conversation with my wife, that God was calling me to it. I was still under my dad's, my pastor's pastoral authority. And, and, and there were times, can I just be real human, real honest? Real, there were times when I arrogantly thought, I think my way is going to be a little bit better than that. I, I, think, I, I think I would have done that a little bit differently. That, 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 always, that always happens. And, and there were times where maybe we even had some disagreements. There were times where you know, I would meet in his office and, and we, would, we would disagree on things, but never, ever did I think, you know what, I'm going to be the lead pastor in a few years. I might as well just start doing things how I want to do things now, right? I, 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 couldn't, I, couldn't make, I couldn't make big decisions without him. I, I, couldn't, uh, I couldn't approve large purchases like the ones that we've been approving recently. <laughs> Praise God for a giving church. Man, y'all see that sign outside? Praise God. But at the time, I could not overstep my pastor because, number one, it would have been out of order. Number two, it would have been disrespectful to God who put him in that place during that season. God wasn't done with him yet. So who am I to say, God, you're done? That's the conviction that David has. If I do this, I'm basically telling me, God, you're done with him. Even though Saul was trying to kill him, David could have probably justified it, saying, God, this, it was just self-defense. But his conviction was so evident. Church, if the Holy Spirit is giving conviction to you, listen. Listen. Drown out the noise of the people, the, even the most well-intentioned people. And listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying, because God will never ask you to do something that goes contrary to his word, even if it means obtaining a promise that he made you. The second thing, and I'm getting ready to wrap up. I'll have the worship team come up, please. The second thing, so the first thing was conviction. The second thing to make a difficult, uncertain type of decision is faith. Conviction and faith. Because if you don't have faith that God will take care of the promise on his own, you're going to take, take care of the promise on your own. 
You're going to take matters into your own hands because you don't have the faith that God is going to do it. And you are going to ignore the conviction because you've convinced yourself that you have to seize the opportunity. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, man, but I believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking into somebody's life. And God is saying, get your hands off of that. It's not the time yet. Don't say yes yet. It's not the time yet. Don't quit yet. It's not the time yet. There will be a time. It takes, man, it takes faith to pass up an opportunity to obtain a thing that God promised you because you're so confident that God is still going to be faithful in his promise. David had to have faith that God was still going to work it out. I mean, I don't need to take matters into my own hands, not, not like this. Now, to the human eye, to everybody else, this was a golden opportunity. This was a lifetime. This, this was God. But if it's done outside of the timing of God, I have to believe that God will grant me another time. That takes faith. That takes faith, man. You know what I've seen? It takes patience to wait, right? If you're going to wait, you need some patience, man. If you're in that long drive through line, just, 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 just ask God for patience. With your kids, man, I have to ask patience with, with Ellie. She's terrible, too, and she's not even two yet. <laughs> Lord, give me patience. But it doesn't really just take patience to wait on God. It takes faith to wait on God. Because without faith that God will complete the work that he started, you're no longer sure that God is still working. And if you're unsure that God is still working, you're going to say, okay, God, put me in, coach. Tag team. Maybe the root of our impatience sometimes is due to lack of faith. I think this is why we jump sometimes prematurely. This, this is why we, we get to certain places. We get to certain places, and have you ever been there? You, you, you achieve something but you still feel unsatisfied. You still feel kind of empty. When you finally get what God promised that you were going to get, you still feel empty because the way that you got it was ugly and chaotic and outside of the will of God. And you feel bad that you have a promise that God promised you because you did it the wrong way. It's not a good feeling. The peace of God comes when you when you knew that you waited. The peace of God comes when, when you knew that you didn't ignore the conviction, that you stepped into faith and God worked it out in his timing because that, that shows you so much of God's faithfulness. Imagine if David would have gone through with killing Saul. It would have, it, it would have shown his impatience. It would have shown his lack of faith. It would have shown his disobedience. And it would have shown that he was ignoring his conviction. All to achieve something that God said he would deliver. And sometimes we do the wrong things for the right reason. But God is saying this morning, let me work it out. Let me work it out. Let me work it out. Now look, look, I don't want you to get me wrong. I'm not saying that we're supposed to do nothing. That's not the message. 
What I'm saying is, is that we must not ignore conviction because we lack the faith that God will still complete his work. I'm saying there is a wrong way to achieve a good result. But I believe that God wants us to know that his timing is perfect. His timing is perfect. There was this guy, I'm about to wrap up. There was this guy who had such a, an enormous calling over his life to plant a church. It was so evident. Everybody saw it. He had a, past, a pastor's heart before he was a pastor. He had a, such a love for the mission of the church. He wanted to see people come to Jesus. And, and, and he was a really smart guy, great, dynamic uh, uh, preacher, great leader. And he said that one day he was asked the question, when are you going to plant your church? I ask, this, I ask this question all the time to people. I got a, I got a lot of friends who, who I know have that calling over their lives. And sometimes I, I just I genuinely want to know, hey, when are you going to plant your church? And a lot of times I expect very human answers, right? Because I know people who planted churches. It, it, it's, a very, it's a very special calling. And so sometimes people say, well, you know, right now is not the time. I'm I'm waiting for my job to be a little bit more stable so that I can know that my my bills are paid. I had had one one of my friends who said, man, right right now we're just working on, on getting a good team ready. Answers to be expected, very human answers. But you know what this guy said when he was asked that question, when are you gonna plant your church? He said, I love what he said. He said, that's a question that I ask God every day. Every day he goes to God. God, when do you want me to plant this church? When do you want me to do it? Meaning, when God says go, that's when he's going to go. It might not be the man's timing. Sometimes God's timing is so inconvenient. It is so inconvenient. You just started a new job and God's telling you to go to ministry the full time. God, I just started a new job. Why couldn't you tell me this two weeks ago? Sometimes God's timing is so, so inconvenient, but it's also so perfect. The man could, he could have said, you know, I, I could start now. But I'm waiting on the green light from God. Church, I don't, I don't know what you're waiting for this morning. I, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're trying to, to make it happen for yourself and you're frustrated because it's not going well. You know, sometimes when, when we try to make, when we try to manufacture the promises of God, man, it comes out very, very sloppy. But you're doing it because people are influencing you. Because people are commentating on your promise. You're doing it because the pressure is getting to you. The impatience is getting to you. If you don't hear anything else, I want you to get this. If it's not God's timing, if it's not God's place, if it's not God's way, it's not God. Have the discipline to tell yourself to tell other people who want to commentate on your promise, it's going to happen, but not like this. It's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen in his timing and in his way. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. And I, man, I want 
so badly for us just to, to have a moment with God at, at these altars. Can we do that? Can we, can we step forward? I'm going to have the worship team sing something. I want us to have a real, raw moment with God. Because I think that somebody needs to talk to God today for renewed faith. Renewed faith, renewed patience. Some of us need to ask God, God, give me discipline. I lack discipline to listen to your conviction. David was a man after God's own heart. That's what the Bible says. He was a man who chased the will of God, seeking his presence, not just his promises. Can we just seek God for a moment? Can we just go to God and say, God, I want to see your glory. I want to see your face, God. Begin to speak this morning over your people, Lord. Begin to comfort somebody, my God, in their impatience, Father God. Begin to instill peace, my God, in someone's chaos, in someone's frustration this morning, my God. Begin to renew faith. Begin to renew patience. Begin, my God, to renew discipline. In Jesus' name, can we sing something? Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.